piece of advice I have for someone trying to succeed in the film industry or any creative space is if you're doing what everyone else is doing, you're doing it wrong. Welcome to Around the Craft Table, a podcast by film students about movies, making movies, and other stuff. Hey everybody, welcome back to Around the Craft Table. This is Season 2, Episode 1. How exciting is that? We're back with another season of episodes, and this is the first one of the bunch. Um, Today I am joined by my fellow panelists, Miles Taylor. Hello. Adam Yazinski, a new panelist who's going to be more of a regular on the podcast. Hey, it's it's good to be here. I was featured once, but now I'm here, and I'm taking over. And Jermel Pasqua. Yeah, for the record, I voted against him. Uh, hi. <laughs> hey, hey, what's up, Jermel? <laughs> Today we have a, sort of a new segment. Like We did something that was a bit similar to this early on in our episodes, but we're going to be focusing this week on a indie short film that uh, I actually saw and recommended to the rest of the panel today called Blood Pulls a Gun, um, and it was directed by Ben Briand. You can find it on Vimeo. We're going to put it in the show notes. It is a great short film, and I like it a lot. Um, And we're going to talk about it today on the podcast, and each of us has prepared sort of our own section that we're going to be kind of doing an in-depth analysis of it. Um, we recommend that before you listen to the episode, you go and watch the movie, but you can listen to it without having watched it as well. Um, we're just going to be talking about like conventional film stuff and kind of how um, it relates to this movie in general. So we're going to start with Adam, actually, and Adam's going to be talking about like character and kind of character and story and stuff like that. So Adam... What did you think of Blood Pulls a Gun? What did I think? I well, I I quite enjoyed it. The like I watched it twice, so I watched it the first time just to take down all my notes, and I was pausing a lot. And then towards the end, I was having a hard time like like pausing it just because I I got so enthralled and just invested into it. I felt like it it definitely was building towards stuff. And as I was taking notes of it, I was really happy to have. Uh, caught a few things because when they came back at the end I was like ah oh, this was really good and just I just like really fell in love with the as I turn over my notes just the the um the setting itself uh I liked when she said like it was a pass through town and I, I felt like that was a great way to just describe where they were like a city or a place that people are always just passing through and passing through and the reason I loved that is because the idea of getting stuck in a pass through town just somehow just feels like really key. And you never like at the end of the day, you never really want to get caught in one of these towns that you're just meant to be passing through. So if you're ever going to get stuck, bad things are going to happen. There's like this sense of like, because it's a pass through town, she gets to see all these different characters and we get to see some of these characters in this film as well. Yes, I definitely, uh, really enjoyed what they like how they visually told that story uh just because film is such a like visual medium uh when they had like her and she's like she has like all the little knickknacks that she's stolen from different things as these little like memoirs to the people who come through like that's what film is like really about is like finding a visual way to uh like portray character and and especially having like a little like picture of like a family as a representation uh, of 
like those people is a nice, great way to do that. Uh, the other thing that I really, really enjoyed was uh, how, like, that ended up being, like, her downfall. Again, spoilers. Is that uh, she kept, like, a little knick-knack as, like, a safekeeping for her, like, to remember this spy. And then it ends up, like, having, like, massive repercussions. And she ends up losing the uh, the thing that she wanted so so dearly. So I just I just loved that part. Yeah, so the film the film follows uh follows this girl named Alice who's like living with her dad in this motel and they run the motel and it's like this uh like I don't know, it's it looks like the countryside looks a bit like tropical ish, but it but it's definitely like a rural area. Like there's some trees in the background that look kind of like this might be near the coast. Um but maybe not super close by. Uh I was thinking like Central Florida, kind of like not really like Miami or Orlando, yeah. but like kind of in between that. Like you'd be trying to go there, but you'd need and to I stop. And I think they, I think this was actually filmed in Australia. I was gonna say it was Australia. Ah. It was the Gold Coast, I believe, if I re- okay. remember the credits properly. Okay, cool. Yeah, so so the film follows Alice, and she's like kind of a. I wrote down Alice in Wonderland. She kind of like wants this rebellious life but she's stuck with this kind of like mundane sort of rural area where nothing really happens but she gets to glimpse things happening around her where like the guests come in and they have their own lives and everything and she steals from them she takes little memoirs and hides them in a little box and uh there's even this one little clip where as she sees like some of the characters that will like um lead the story in a different direction she kind of like grips her necklace with the key to like her box of treasures it's like she's like yearning to like steal from them to add to her like little fantasy in her head of like all these people's items and 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 memories and it's like she's like i wouldn't necessarily say she's a likable character where i'm like i'm rooting for her necessarily but it's like you're intrigued and want to know what what she's what she's up to where where she's going to go yeah. So it's that's that's basically the short and like the shenanigans she gets up to. I uh I, I really wanted to talk about how um they really nail or kneeled nailed the uh feeling of stillness like 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 I think like the only thing that that could have been even more heavy-handed is if they had a shot of like just still water like if they had, if like the motel had like a pool and like just the water was completely still. And just relating it back to pass through towns, like this idea that like it's so like monotonous and boring, and like these people, like the like interests and like these interesting people come and they leave, and they come and they leave. And uh, Alice, she takes like like a, a, a like a deep interest in someone who signs their name as Blood when they come to uh, the motel, and it's just like 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 Miranda was saying, like a window peering into like adventure. And I feel like it really nailed the idea of being stuck in a small town and seeing like your moment to like break away and or like escape like the monotonous like feeling and and lifestyle. And definitely as the story progresses and she starts to sort of pull back the curtain to try and get a peek, even though like she has like a like a man friend that's there with her and he's sort of like against this whole idea and she's like going into his room and and sort of like smelling like his alcohol and like seeing like all these like different things about him and like just sort of like imagining herself as part of that world 
and even towards the end like yearning to want to leave because again in when she does visit that room and she uh reenacts something that she had like overseen like she tried to sneak into the room at night and she caught the like a glimpse of them having like really rough sex and she tried to recreate that with her like friend who is a boy i don't i don't know like they they had some sexual tension but not a whole lot and she tries to reenact that and he's not that and i think that that was her final sort of sentiment to like i can't stay here anymore i need to go and she sees blood and his crazy wild adventures as a as a means of escape yeah yeah definitely so then tying it back into the end when she's stealing from him so she steals uh she finds his gun and she steals a little bullet out of it and she's kind of like keeping it close because she feels like that will really sum up the adventure and uh that ends up coming to play at the end when uh blood does pull a gun and he tries to fire the first round and there's no uh round to shoot and she indirectly but like directly caused the death of her her own escape and she kind of sees her dreams and her like fantasies die like literally get shot in the chest in front of her and i felt like that was a very powerful and striking ending that i really enjoyed i think on a literal level too like definitely on more of a in into her imagination world like yeah like you said her escape just kind of dying with blood getting shot at the end but also in a literal way too you could view it as her realizing that her kind of kleptomaniac kind of tendencies aren't sustainable like this yeah. stealing from people kind of this is kind of the last straw yes i would agree that it, it definitely has like repercussions and or repercussions sorry and uh, I feel like that was, like, one of the strongest points from the writing perspective is that the actions of the character and the main character directly affected the story. And it was, like, something that they did made, like, ha- had repercussions and then you got to see it play out. And I feel like that's what, like, stories and, watch- and like stories are all about and getting to watch that happen on screen and watch how things kind of fall apart due to, like, an action that the character did is what we live for. It's that drama that we need to escape our own boring monotonous life you know yeah for sure it has kind of the same vibe setting and atmosphere as other crime-centric films um the example that i can come up with would be like breaking bad or like fargo um but the thing that i liked about it is the fact that they put in a sort of twist to that sort of um I guess, genre of and style of films. Normally, it's focused on the hitman or it's focused on, uh, I don't know, the in the case of Breaking Bad, the guy making the meth empire. It's focused on one of the people who were actually central to that world. In this case, it's somebody who is outside of that world looking in. <clears throat> and I think that's an interesting perspective. Um, not only that, they do it from the perspective of a I guess she's like 14. I think that's a fair assumption around there. 13, 14. And I think that's really good because that was original in my opinion. I've never seen that anywhere. Taking that specific perspective in that world. So I like that about the film. And it it it, over, uh, it immediately hooks you because it's like, ooh, okay, I don't know what will happen because I've never seen it from the perspective of this kind of person. Um, so that was good. It's The analogy that I made was I saw... Moonrise Kingdom recently, and not too long ago, Grand Budapest Hotel, both of which have that young, naive um, girl 
um, character in them. So it's as if that type of character in those films was to be put inside Breaking Bad. It would be this film. And that would be like the best comparison that I have. And I, I like that. I like that it gave me that impression. Get very original. Um, and continue on with the highs that I have, like things that I liked about it. This kind of <clears throat> relates to Adam's comments really well. How there's a very strong lead character. They picked and chose the right moments to show her inner conflict and desire to be inside um, Blood's world. Um, like Adam said, you know, they, they show her uh, inside his motel he, the, taking out the key because it's to show that she's about to, um, she's yearning to take something from that world again, just like she does with every other visitor. Um, there's also that little moment near the beginning-ish, right before the inciting incident of blood arriving, um, when I think the, I can't remember it verbatim, but the father goes something about, they keep, our Bibles keep having missing pages. And immediately she has an answer. The dad's like, I don't understand why we have missing pages kind of thing. And she immediately goes, oh, well, it's because they use it to roll cigarettes. So right away, you can tell right there that A, um, her upbringing with that father is a very conservative, um, very mundane, doesn't really know that kind of life, a very um, Jesus-centric kind of um, way of living. Based on the father. Yeah, that scene happens when they're watching TV. Do you know, do you remember exactly or like, because it's like, it's like some weird like marching thing. Do you think like that has something to say more about like the character? Like that's what they're watching is some sort of like parade. Do, do you know what offhand like what that would be or like? No, no. I mean, I'm sure that was deliberate because if you're going to put something playing on the screen, you have to choose something. You can't just be like, yeah, put in a vine. Like, no, it doesn't. Yeah, so that's a good way to show her character. I, in my opinion, the, the people who made the film show the right things to really um, show uh, how things about uh, Alice is her name, right? Alice. Yep. Okay, yeah, to show things about Alice. So that's another high. Um, and the last thing that I had for things that I like in terms of the characters would be the way that how much of um, I guess impact and presence blood and the mysterious woman um have as soon as they appear loud music loud muscle car very loud clothing you know he's like got the sleeveless um shirt tattoo smoking slick back hair this girl in a really like provocative outfit with a blonde wig and then which is yeah she's dressed like a blonde bombshell yeah, and it's a they're like, like that, like 50s Yeah, they're character. immediately a, a big impact into the world. And it's kind of just like, ooh, okay. That's a big shift, right, as soon as they appear. And I thought that was very effective. You know, if they didn't push that hard enough, it would feel like, um, you know, it wouldn't really feel like, is she really wanting to go into this world? It doesn't seem that fun, you know? But the fact that that's what they went with, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I see why. Because we just saw the dad literally asking, why is there missing pages on a Bible? And they go from that to yeah, what I just mentioned regarding uh, Blood of the Mysterious Woman. So, you know, it's a good contrast. Um, but yeah, that said, the only sort of knock, I guess, that I have with um, the film or the story or characters or whatever as a whole, 
uh, is the the male friend. I understand his purpose. His purpose is there to be. He's the contrast to blood. He's very clean, very, very like plain. Like there's a scene, the, the little funny moment in the beginning when he's introduced, where he's trying on the roller skates. That's like that's for a girl, and he's like, yeah, well they fit. So, <laughs> you know, that's it's a good little moment. Yeah. But obviously she's very unimpressed by it. It's like, oh, what a fucking loser kind of thing. I understand his purpose. It's good purpose uh, to have. That said, I don't think he was pushed enough, you know, in contrast to everybody else who's, in my opinion, is is needed in the film. If you don't have that, it feels like something's missing. This character, if you took him out, for example, that scene where they go into Blood's bedroom and she tries to reenact the, uh, the rough sex that she witnessed the night before. Um, if you took out the guy there, if she just, if it was just Alice lying down with her shirt off and then imagining the the sex in her head, it'd still be just as effective. So, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. I, so I agree. I would agree as well. And it, it's the uh, and the scene where she's handing out Bibles, um, and going into the room when she when she's not supposed to take out the guy in that equation and in, in that entire sequence it would still work just as well yeah. so in my opinion he's the weakest part because he's the character that you could take off and the plot and the story would still move forward regardless uh you take out the dad you suddenly lose a bit of her current life you take out blood the movie makes no fucking sense same with the girl it makes no sense so yeah he's the he's the one that in my opinion is the weakest link i think he's also a bit of a um an opposite to Alice as well as blood because Alice is so like, um, in your face as a character in her approach to the world that she lives in. And he's just sort of, uh, vanilla. And his name is Ralph, by the way. I don't know if it's ever mentioned, but the character's name is Ralph. Ralph. Um, I'm it's a in good danger. name. Good it must reference. have been mentioned because otherwise he would have been like credited as like boy or something. No, uh, they could have just given him a name just to give him a name. Who knows? But like in the script, yeah. I feel like Ralph is the perfect name for the type of character that we're describing. It's just, <laughs> it's so. Yeah, the, the guy from The Simpsons pops out. The yeah. <laughs> I would say he's indicative of like the small town or like like exactly what you would picture a small town boy would be like. And, like, I feel like he's, like, the neighbor to Alice, and, like, that's his, that's her, like, boy next door. But then here comes this, like, like Jermaine was saying, like, a guy with, like, slick black hair. He comes out of, like, a loud muscle car with smoke coming. Like, like everything about it's this, footloose, this entrance, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything about this entrance he makes just, like, gets her attention. And you could even say, like, from that moment, like, the whole, like, rose-tinted or, like, her own, like, fantasies have been projected onto this, like, just from, like right from the get-go and even when they interact you can clearly tell like just the way that she's looking at him that like this is doing way more for her than it is for him and uh just to talk more about that scene when they do interact uh, i felt like that was like really strong with how they were able to portray their um plot visually like they they really avoided like a really long and drawn out conversation where you have to explain like i'm looking for this guy because he did something bad like just being have you seen this guy and he pulls out the picture and you see him and like if you know anything you know by the end he's gonna appear 
and like it and then she's like no i haven't seen him and then he just kind of like pauses and just says like if you see him just tell me so you get like right away that like something's gonna go down and it and it was just done with like you know like five sentences it didn't overstay its welcome it was done through like looks and intent and visuals which made it like really strong it didn't drag at all and it and it again it built that intrigue i feel like we're supposed to be sort of like alice like there's just enough mystery to make you know like like to make you want to look behind the curtain even though you know behind that like you you might see something like really bad and like you'll be thrusted into this situation but in, in like hard contrast like life here is so boring and so monotonous that this mixture of monotony and mystery creates like a combustion of action that you just need to see yeah yeah you like you need to be a part of there's also the scene at the end there when they smoke the cigarette together which is like just like you were saying adam it's like she sits there she comes up and she's like was that girl your girlfriend and he's just like he's just like an old friend and then she's like can i have a drag and then they just stare at each other and that's it and you're like yeah okay i understand what's happening well, you know? i think that, that was to show yeah, I think that was the show that she is still young and completely out of her, like, league. She's out of her element. She's setting. no, like, like... She is totally... Yeah. yeah. She's totally just trying to live out some sort of fantasy, but her young... Like, her, like, being inexperienced, she doesn't know, like, how to talk to him or, like, even, like... Like, even that setting, like, that's such a weird and inappropriate time to kind of, like, try to talk to someone. Yeah. Like, especially, like... Her being like just like a worker at the motel, like that would be like extremely off-putting if you were blood. Like there's this teenage girl that works here that's just trying to like chat you up. That you saw earlier watching you like make out with your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, like like from his perspective, like this is total like she's totally a nuisance, and I feel like that's really important to like na- like 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 to get in his performance and i think it's there like he just looks at her and then when she tries to take a second drag he takes it like right out of her mouth like no you you wanted a drag yeah yeah also like um i wanted to note an important detail that i'm not sure if you guys noticed but at the very beginning of the film she's sitting in like a little lawn chair like sun tanning in like this like little rural motel and it just looks so funny the magazine she's reading actually is called rebel bell Nice. So that's a nice little detail in there. It's an interesting character. And like I was actually just reading this article that Miles just posted in our chat here, um, which is an interview with the director. And um, apparently, like, all the characters from the film are part of a bigger narrative, but he just expanded one little side scene that was in, like, one of his features, and then this film happened. Which makes a lot of sense. That does make a lot of sense. It does feel like there was something bigger going on, especially when, uh, he, like... Because it seems, like, so deep. Like, there's so much depth to yeah. everyone in it. Like, when Blood pulls out the picture, and there's that weird relationship with, like... Because in the picture, it's, like, the guy that he's looking for is holding, like, the girl that he's with. So, like, mm-hmm. right away, like, that visual, because it, it clashes with, like, them two who were just having, you know, like really like rough sex in like the scene before to like this picture where she's clearly with the other guy like definitely like lends itself to needing more explanation or feeling like it's a part of something else and then like the the guy at the end he just kind of shows up and there's definitely like over like like there is business between them and like is there's a reason why that girl when she leaves like the mysterious woman leaves and goes to that other guy and I feel like if, like, this is part of, like, if it's part of that bigger story where maybe something like that is explained, then that would make a lot of sense. 
Yeah, but it doesn't need to be there to get the short film. The short film, no. I believe, is like very self-contained and very like strong on its own. But I would, I would love to see more of the characters. And for me, I felt like. And Adam, you and I talked about this before we went on the air, but uh, I felt like there wasn't enough at stake for me. I felt like I was dropped in the middle of some, and as the interview states, and as you mentioned, Miranda, it's part of a larger feature, but I felt like I was dropped in the middle and not quite given enough context. I don't need much more, but I just felt like I needed a little bit more to just make me feel... Um, I don't mind being uncomfortable, but this was, for me personally, this was the wrong way to be uncomfortable. I was going to say to combat that, Miles, that I think the idea, like, like the stakes are all, if you can relate to that idea that, like, you need to escape your, like, reality and you're putting all your, like, eggs in that basket, like, in this fantasy that you will get, like, whisked out of your boring life and taken into a life of adventure I feel like that's a very small town and and maybe even small town like like female dream that like someone cool and exciting comes in and and like you know like he picks you to go on this adventure with him. I feel yeah, like Yeah, the whole like, Greece sort of Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that ideal I think like if you relate with that then that last scene where like the girl watches it like fall like like literally get shot in the chest and die in front of her by her own like you know meddling Mistake. Yeah, I think is really what uh, is supposed to be, like, the stakes. But if you have, like, no relation to stuff like that, then I imagine, like, like like you're saying, like, oh, I needed more. It left me feeling like you wanted more. I don't, I don't, see, that's the thing. I don't think for me that it was a, a lack of relatability. Mm. Um, just, I just, I don't, there was just something, and I don't know what it is, so I can't strongly refute your argument. Adam, but I just there's something missing for me, and I don't know what it is, or was rather. True, valid criticism. That's fair. Just to add to like Adam's comment really quickly, uh, yeah, relatability is important in my opinion, because that happened to me with um, one of like the most well-regarded films, Whiplash. Everybody that I know likes that movie. Pretty much, um, but I didn't. But because not because it's a badly made film or it's a bad movie, but because I just didn't relate to the characters in any way, none of them. So then suddenly I don't care about the characters. Suddenly I don't care about the story. I don't care about the story. I don't care about the movie. So it's a domino effect. You have to start with one and at least to the other, at least to the other. And then if you have once you nail all three, then you have the audience captivated. If you falter at the foundation, it doesn't matter how good the top part is, right? So, Yeah, I think that's what I went through with this. Yeah, it's just going to fall apart. I was going to say, for me personally, uh, it's just a, a favorite of mine. Uh, foreboding female voice, just for whatever reason, really, like, gets me and, like, intrigues me. Because I always feel like those, like, like, like that, that foreboding tone in a female voice always carries the weight of someone's going to die. And I'm I it, it somehow like it always like translates that way to me. So like right from like even though it had a cold opening with just her sitting out like in their like property like just on it like 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 Miranda said like looking ridiculous like in a bikini, uh like in a she's reading her magazine and in the lawn chair, and she's just sort of like in her own world. And then 
once it starts kicking in and she starts like talking about her uh her life and like what's going on i just felt like her tone and her cadence really carried like something's about to break this and then it like that's what happens and then like especially when it comes in at the end because it, it, it's book ended by her monologues her the monologue at the end i felt like really carried the emotional weight like I know, like, the, the action had just happened, so it lost its forebodingness, but it definitely felt like um, the the emotional weight was there, and I... Something about that, like, slow, like, very, like... Yeah. And, like, certain tone and and uh, way that they move through the sentence, and a female voice just somehow just, just, like, clicks in my head for whatever reason. It's, like, a favorite of mine. When Blood and his girlfriend arrive, um, in that was the moment where I was. That was the moment that hooked me. I was like, okay, shit's gonna go sideways and it's gonna go bonkers, and then it really doesn't. It really didn't go the way I expected it to, and I'm not. That's not a complaint. I just feel like, um. Again, going I think going back to not being hooked by it, I for me that's what it was was like I that was the moment that I expected everything to start going sideways, um, or heading in that direction that it would eventually go that way, and then it didn't, and I was just like, well, uh, uh, I think while while I agree with you, Miles, I also think that that part of it is intentional because teenagers view the world through this dramatic sort of lens. Yeah. And the things that she's encountering, she thinks are going to go the fuck sideways, you know? Like, oh my god, this is going to be so dramatic. And then it isn't actually, but she's trying to make it something that it's not. Totally. Especially that last scene where she comes up and asks for a cigarette. It's like she's trying to make this all something that it's not. Yeah. And I think that's like kind of what the whole film's about is this naivety that she has. Yeah. So having that mindset ends up something that she pays for in the end. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that like just that that the idea of like uh this teenage girl collecting like little fragments of like uh a window like like from the windows into people's lives could be so mal like like it could be like bent and and changed to fit anything. And any sort of story, like any, like you could have it where like each week, like some some new character happen, like comes in and like it's a different kind of story. You could really work with stuff like that, just because I feel like that that strong, like that's a really strong character to base off things. And again, with like the world being so boring, it allows for these like characters to walk in and to like essentially change the orbit of like that world. Yeah. And like make every everyone in that sort of motel or like the characters that inhabit that world, like the boring world, orbit around that one person until they eventually leave or in this case, like get stuck. Wow. And die. And with that, we're gonna go to break. <laughs> um, Adam, you've got a little questionarium. I got a little questionarium for you guys. So in the twenty or uh, two thousand and fourteen remake of Godzilla, I want you guys to guess how long Godzilla is on screen. So, you guys, ah, uh, uh, that, que- we'll that right question, back that question, with the answer to that question. Oh. after the break, please <laughs> enjoy the lo-fi music. Or is it lo-fi, Miles? Uh, ish. 
It's electro swing. Electro swing. Oh, please enjoy the electro swing music right now. We'll be right back. Okay, so we're we're back now. I, I want you guys to guess how long do you think uh, Godzilla was seen on screen in the two, 2014 remake? All of us, Me? all of us. Yeah. You want us to guess? Uh, yeah, I everyone guess. So, uh, uh, five minutes. I, I'm guessing a total. I'm I'm gonna drop it okay. down two minutes. I'm gonna say fifteen. Ooh, okay, so uh, Miranda, you were the closest. So out of uh, 100, 123 minutes, Godzilla is only seen for eight minutes long. Wow. So there you go. There's like a little all, ad Like all the uh, clips of him total. Yeah, you can find a supercut wow. of just eight minutes of Godzilla. They barely show him in the movie, yeah. All right, so we're back, and we're going to talk about kind of post-production elements of the film, um, and also like kind of the cinematography, and just like the techie side of the movie. Um... I guess I'll just go over a couple things that I noticed because we are going to do a scene analysis of one of the scenes between Alice and Blood about uh, it's their first scene together uh, in the first half of the film. But before we do, um, I don't know. I just, in terms of like editing, I was kind of focusing on like editing and sound design and everything. And I had a couple things that I noted. Um, the The beginning of the film really brings you into it like immediately like when I first saw it like a couple years ago I was like immediately brought into it because I you know I don't know if it's the voiceover I don't know if it's the cuts to like really mundane but beautiful imagery um I'm not sure what it is but it works really well um it just kind of strings you right into her life it establishes her character and it establishes kind of what this movie is going to be about in less than two minutes, which is really good. Um, so I made that note. Uh, now, I love the voiceover. I think this is like a really good and strong element of the film. But I think the film could work without the voiceover. Yeah. Like if you were to take it out, um, you'd still know what was going on. And that means that the film was shot well and it was like directed well because you know that that voiceover was done in post. And so it's nice to know that um, it would have worked without it. Like in my opinion, at least, I don't know if you guys, if you guys disagree, let me know. I think it added like, like the, her, her monologue at the beginning definitely really helped added or, or like really aided the idea that, 
something was going to come into this world, but I would agree that the visuals alone are good enough to, like you said, bring you in and and make you kind of want to stay. Like, you're almost like passing through it yourself. Yeah. I would say. Well, and the thing about voiceover is that it it's sort of a two it's sort of a two sided um knife in that it can either be a a useful tool like it was here, or it can be a, a lazy crutch. Um, yeah, I've definitely seen examples of both, and yeah. this one is probably the former. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I I kind of noted here that I liked like just the way the voice the voice was in the film as well. It was almost like, and I mean I don't mean this like as in like. I don't know. It was almost erotic, if that makes sense. Like the yeah. way that her voice acting was portrayed in the film was almost like she was like sort of like this rom she was romanticizing the the story of her leaving this mundane life and like joining something that might be more exciting um and then when blood turns up she's like ooh this might be my chance and you can kind of hear that in the voice acting like as it kind of progresses through <clears throat> the film um especially at the end when she loses him and she like definitely realizes that it was her undoing or like it like his undoing was her fault and especially like the line you take something and you pay for it yeah i felt it was like the the nice way to like really just tie it up in a nice little bow just to hammer that yeah. home i would yeah. say she yeah. said something about like love isn't free yeah yeah that's that that was a good line yeah. as well and i am i also have uh and uh the, the, this whole scene really the the the, the scene from um from the point that uh, Ralph is trying on the uh, the rollerblades or the roller skates or whatever, up until Blood and uh, the the mysterious woman like enter enter the motel, um, that whole sequence is like one of my favorites, and I really like the transition from diegetic to non diegetic sound with like the 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 rock music coming from the car, and then it just kind of like conquers the entire scene, and it's just like her fantasies coming alive in that moment, and I also wanted to. Um, kind of highlight as well that the fact that like these two people like they look a little sketch but they don't look like as outrageously sketchy as I think they the characters are actually meant to be or is so it I probably like, written maybe like yeah on... exactly and I feel like it's all in Alice's perception yeah, and that's I what I really say... liked about that whole thing was that like yeah he has some tattoos but he's not <laughs> dressed as sketchy certainly not as sketchy as the guy that shows up at the end definitely i think that the the casting there borrowed a little bit from cw where everyone's young and fuckable yeah mm -hmm. yeah that that, <clears throat> but that I... dad was a bit of a hottie <laughs> <laughs> but no but i'm just saying like um in terms of like her perception um she like sees something that i think She's kind of reaching to see in these people. Because if I was to see those two people show up somewhere, I'd just be like, all right. Kind of a dick with that big car. Like, Jesus, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's true. But, <laughs> that would be what you say. Not, oh, I want to be a part of their world. <laughs> but 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 I like that because of the music and because of the editing and because of like the cuts back to Alice, you get immediately that she sees that life in these two people. 
going back to what you're saying about how it goes from non or from diegetic to non diegetic, I used the same like a like the same thing for my movie that I did that screened at IOU where it comes in on the radio and then it like it it's like the song is going into the brain like into like the psyche of the characters and that it becomes the world and and it that definitely rings true here where it starts off as like an annoying car radio and like if it, if you're like Ralph he'd been like oh man those guys are dicks and she was totally like like enthralled in the idea and like it be like that became her reality like the all that music was the only thing that she heard and like that the like slow motion kind of imagery i don't know if it was slow motion but it definitely could have used it there where uh he comes out and like there he is with like the cigarette and the slicked back hair like it was designed to like match her idea of what an adventurer looks like or like like the guys you would see in in that magazine almost yeah 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 exactly and like we were talking about um the character of ralph earlier and about how he's like whether he's needed or not but i also wanted to mention that like even if ralph was taken out i really do like the scene where she like lays down on the bed and he doesn't know what to do he's just like i'm just gonna uh sit beside her i guess <laughs> yeah and then he starts like kissing her cheek i'm just like this is so it doesn't awkward help that he perfect. lies down on like the left side where there's uh, a dresser and pillows so he has to awkwardly lie down like there's no comfortable position yeah i was really because he could have lied down to her right and that would have been completely <clears throat> you know but they would have just been normal side by side but he chose the left awkward side which is really funny area yeah. yeah do you think like kudos to his performance because he was like perfect awkward dude <laughs> Do you think he was us? Do you think he was a stand-in for the audience in that, I mean, I don't want to shift things to too technical just yet unless we're ready, but um, do you think he like he's a stand-in for the audience and that we're not quite supposed to know how to navigate this world? Um, and Ralph kind of just is that guy where... Whereas it seems everyone else is pretty sure of themselves. Yeah, uh, maybe. I, you can make an argument for it. I would also argue that Alice could also be that for us as well. Maybe. Uh, like, like we see it through like her rose-tinted glasses, or like we're seeing it through like the Alice lens. I think it's know? a matter think... of like it, it. It depends on the viewer in this case. How so? I guess Miles, you can be you can be Ralph. I'll be Alice. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly like it, 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 exactly what's happening right yeah. now. Sure. Uh, Adam does not see the, the movie at all through Lyle's view, but you do, whereas he sees it from Alice's view. And I think it's, in this case, it's not a clear cut, yes, he is, or no, he's not. It's a matter of um, he's there um, to serve as a, um, I guess, more an, as, a, as a plot device rather than like a bigger yeah, he's... scale. So um, I guess uh, I guess we can explain it later. Um, are we? Because I'm assuming most, uh, a lot of our listeners won't know what diegetic and non-diegetic mean. Oh yeah. If they're not really into film, because we should. Yeah, diegetic. We should be defining True. things to us both. Yes, diegetic sound, everybody, ladies and gents, means it is in the realm of the film. So a radio. Um, you know, uh, a walkie-talkie, a walkie-talkie or a TV. Uh, car, car, car radio, um, <clears throat> uh, like a DJ music in party, um, 
anything like that. And then non-diegetic is film, like a soundtrack, like music that occurs um, in just for the audience. It's not actually in the realm of the characters, and the characters can't actually hear that music. Yeah. Same with the narrator. Yeah, the narrator voice would be a good mm-hmm. example. Unless you can actually hear the narrator, because some films do that, where they're like, shut up! <laughs> and then Stranger Than Fiction him. did that. Mm-hmm. Yes. I guess it's like with most film rules. It's this, unless it's not this deliberately. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of sums up the umbrella for like all the rules. Like, you should do this, but you know, unless you want to break it deliberately and it means something, then it doesn't, you know? Yeah. I suppose so. that's the big takeaway with the with the rules of film is if you're going to break them, break them on purpose. Don't just break them because you don't know what else to do. I guess the cliche is know the rules so you know how to break them. Exactly. So, Miles, um, yeah. you focused on cinematography and color, and <clears throat> you also wanted to do, like, a scene analysis. Did you want to talk about the, just, like, a general stuff, and then we can kind of go into the scene? Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, I'll go over sort of my general notes and what I pulled from the movie, and then yeah. Um, so like one of the things I noticed and liked a lot because um, I wanted to know why they chose this, and I wanted to know why they chose it through the characters was the fact that this movie was just dripping in um, the color yellow, with and and shades of like honey shades and gold and those sorts of things, and I was just um, really intrigued and turned on by the color palette of the film and also the fact that a lot of it was done um, close. A lot of it was done in mediums and close-ups. There was not a lot of uh, breathing room given in wide shots, and I, I thought that was really interesting. Um and the yellow, you know, the yellow is a twofold thing. It's it's a bright and a warm and happy color, but it also is representative of like just cowardice and fear. Um, some of which you see a little bit maybe towards the end with Alice when she's like realizing what she's done. Um, when Hyam uh, shows up, makes sense. I also like the uh, that they went for the honey gold. Uh, everything looks kind of sweet because it's supposed to feel like uh, very fantasy. Yes, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, so like it, it doesn't look super gritty or uh, neo-noir. It's a bit yeah. more softer, which is uh, different from this kind of um, film. Because if you watch movies that are crime-centric, it's very harsh, right? Lightning. But in this, it's actually kind of soft in a lot yeah, of Yeah, it didn't have any co- high um, contrast or, like, yeah, like, light coming through yeah. the shades, which is, like, the classic film noir. Film noir look. Yeah, it, because, it makes sense because we're supposed to see it through the eyes of Alice. And then she's seeing it through this sort of glorified fantasy romanticized I was also say, thinking that, like, it, it could also go that, like, they kind of live in, like, a weird paradise, like, like... It's almost like the film is sort of like in an eternal like golden hour almost, and that like even though they live like in a place that's like yeah. relatively warm all the time, like they're still like boring and monotonous. That even paradise, yeah, for sucks. sure. Um, and I I certainly got the sense of heat through the visual. Like um, it was weird. One of the 
psychosomatic effect psychosomatic effects you can feel with color um and i just subconsciously realizing now looking back on watching the movie i was warm like i was hot and bored watching this movie not because the movie was boring but because it did all of those things visually and aesthetically and still like you said adam paradise can still be boring yeah if you if you spend all your time exposed to just paradise it's just as monotonous as a concrete jungle. I was thinking when you were saying that like it got like warm and boring, that reminded me of countless of summers where this is going to be the best summer ever, and then you just kind of like play a little too much video games. <laughs> me every time. Like, you know, you're supposed to meet up with your friends, but you never really do. Anyways, go, going back to that scene where, uh, like, I was talking about it earlier, where it is uh, where Alice meets um, Blood. It, I I just diving more into it. I really wanted to hammer home that like, that's a really good scene to look at for how to like write your story visually and how to convey plot and and get through like backstory visually because it was so easy to understand and it doesn't un- outstay its welcome because there's so many movies where like they just start talking and they just like go on and on and they're trying to explain to you the story like this like film isn't literature it isn't like oh like you have to describe how it smells like no no no. it's it's like quick and it's dirty and you got to get in there and get out and get as much information as you can and films like i guess like is it prose would be visuals and the idea would be especially in that scene where it's like I'm looking for this guy, and instead of saying the name, he like points to the guy's fit, like picture, and it just gives you an instant visual of like what he looks like, and you can see like right then from that picture, like it conveys this like weird sort of mystery. Like there's blood on the far like left, and then there's the guy that he's looking for, and the girl that he's with is like around that guy, so it instantly communicates that there's something interesting like with this dynamic going on, and the fact that like later when it when it comes like the other guy kills blood and it's because the girl goes to him it def like that was communicated right away with that picture and you didn't need him to be like you didn't need blood to go like yeah so that's my friend pedro and this is my girlfriend but it's also his girlfriend and it's a weird situation because that would be awful the idea yeah that'd be hilarious what do you mean <laughs> I, I would do that yes you would do that <laughs> fuck <laughs> let's who is this that's my, that's my wife <laughs> That's 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 her. Dad. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Any, like, uh. Just just to... <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Like the bad ways that you could do that. Well, yeah, because like it just wouldn't work. In, in this case, it would totally ruin the idea of blood being this mysterious figure if he just dumped his like uh, backstory onto you. The fact that you like the less you know about him and that he just gives you like that little picture. And again, like we know that she steals pictures and that like she steals people's memories. And like she gets this like a little glimpse of that world, um, I felt like really like echoed and and hit the and drove the point home because like oh there's so many so many like little like student films that that I've encountered where or in this case long student films where they just go on and on and next week and then two days later ten days later. And it just outstays its welcome, whereas this was very snappy. It communicated what it needed to, and it left you with that intrigue, that that feeling that you want to know more, 
and you need to know more, but the closer and closer you get, the closer and closer you get to getting burnt. Yeah. Um, from a shot perspective of that sequence, <clears throat> again, going back to what I was saying with everything being done in closes, you sort of, you're brought immediately into that, into that world and into that moment. And, um, because you're brought in so tightly, I feel like that scene has an opportunity to overstay its welcome, even though it didn't like, that's a moment where you could really spend some time. And because you're so close to the characters, it looks like it's like a, I don't know, 75 millimeter lens length shot. Um, maybe, maybe a 50. Um, but anyways, the fact that you're so tight, you have the opportunity to really put the audience on edge and make them nervous by lingering. And yet you still do that, even though the, it's, the movie still does that, even when it doesn't linger. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Going back to that scene, um, specifically the one in the lobby that we're uh, about to be talking about. Um, did you guys want to get technical now? Or yeah, let's we... go for it. Yeah, let's... I, you mean we weren't before? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, so uh, around the six-minute mark, 6.07 specifically for the viewers. So around that part of the film is uh, when a scene starts. Um, it begins with Blood looking at the wall. He's looking at travel brochures. A lot of, like, you know, touristy, what's in the area, what's around sort of things that you could look at and he stares at it for a little while um now you know for for all i know that could just be we just need a shot of him as a setup for all i know it's i that. look at it as but, uh those places are where places that hit that guy that he's looking for could hide or could be kind of thing like it's definitely okay. like he's looking for something and he's looking at the like brochures because the brochures will have little maps it's right? interesting that you brought that up um no, you could, yeah, that's definitely one way to see it. I didn't think of it, because the way that I thought of it was he seems to have ran away with this girl from the guy. So, and those are things that you could, and that's if you're running away with somebody, obviously you're not just going to go to a boring place and stay there. If you're running away with somebody and you're, you know, it's supposed to be like a rebellious thing that you're doing, chances are you're going to go to super nice places that you could spend time in and you know have more rough sex in kind of thing <laughs> which is which seems to be what they're kind of doing it's very lust heavy there, yeah. their relationship yeah that seems to be what's there between them it, you get again for all i know the filmmakers just needed an establishing shot so it's like hey look at this wall for a second but you know we're here under the assumption that nothing. With the inside... amount of details in this film, I doubt it was. Like, yeah, well, we're without... under the assumption that things are always deliberately put in. If not, you know, uh, which I doubt, then you know, my mistake, I guess. Uh, anyway, so that's one thing that I uh, noticed. Um, the other thing would be shortly after this scene. I guess you could kind of. It's not technically part of the scene anymore. It's just it slowly follows it. I mean, it immediately follows it, and it it picks up immediately after the scene at hand. It's during the um the scene that we're talking about. He goes, "Don't tell anybody." Um, you know, she she goes, 
uh, should I tell my dad he's sleeping? And then he goes, no, just if you see anything, just tell me. And immediately after that, she goes to the bedroom and all she does is stand there, look at her dad. And then that's it. Nothing happens. She doesn't do anything. She just kind of walks out and then that's it. I thought that was really good because without saying anything, it it showed her her inner conflict. That's sort of about, yeah, it's about in the middle of the movie, actually. The point of the film where she's now actively choosing that side of her life rather than her old life. Yeah, I would say that uh, it starts the train of being disappointed by her own life because it starts with that one and then it ends when she tries to recreate that passion <laughs> with with Ralph and uh, he, he like underperforms or like just can't do it. And I think that that's definitely like one of those moments where like she's looking at her dad and she's like, he like something bad could happen and he'd sleep right through it, you know, like and it wouldn't mean anything to him, you know. It's it's totally communicating that, like sort of like the mundane that is affected even those characters like they're just sleeping it away so, like her dad's just sleeping from it like away. a writing perspective for yeah. for um all of you guys how would you go about detail wise how would you go about setting out a scene to do something similar to what that scene those two chunks do together. In terms of the detail that they give out and the detail that you would put on the page versus the detail you would going just at, shoot. on it from um, the assumption that the whole every detail is intentional. I feel like every detail that was in that scene would be in the script. Like, you know, blood stares at a wall filled with travel brochures. Alice looks on from behind the desk. There is yeah. there's an awkward tension that fills the room. Like that kind yeah. of thing. Like you establish That's your entire scene right there. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. and then you have the the lines of dialogue, blood takes out photo, taps it on the desk lightly and points to the man in the center, which is the man in question. Yeah. And that's all. I also like in that scene there's like those long drawn out pauses where uh she's just staring at him and definitely like projecting some sort of fantasy onto it. Yes, the way they look at each other and I guess this is also from you could probably put this in the script. Yeah. Um, but you have to, this is definitely something that probably the director has to emphasize more on set on the day of, um, uh, to get the proper sort of performance out of the actors, but yeah, you could put in the way she looks at him versus the way he looks at her. It's completely different. Yeah. The way she looks yes. at him is like, oh my God, here he is. Here's the guy. This is my key out of here. Um, my mm. way out of here and we're, you know, I just need to get on his good side and, I will, that will be the way out, which he, which is immediately shown right after, which with the, with the dad thing, um, <clears throat> because she does exactly what he tells her to do. Meanwhile, the way he looks at her, um, is like, this is just another, you know, just whatever. She's nothing to NPC her. <laughs> number two. Yeah. She's like, she's nothing. She's just an employee at a, a, a pass through town motel. Like, Eh, whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so her her worst fear, she's just as like passable as like the town. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I I was going to say that in that moment she when he's like just it's like just tell me, it's almost like he 
he's sort of like unknowingly speaking to like that like she's been chosen to be like his confidant kind of deal like that's how she's reading it and he's just like i don't want the dad to know like he's the manager he's the one that could cause some problems so yeah it's almost like that she's romanticizing that little statement actually if you think about it like just tell me it's like ooh, it's like he he wants me to just come to him oh interesting yeah anything you know that's what I'm getting out of it. But to him, it's literally just, hey, let me know when this person comes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or like, he's like, don't tell your dad because he'll, he'll call the cops or whatever. Or like, you know, we'll, we'll ask more questions. We've talked a lot about her wanting to escape the world that she lives in. But we haven't really talked about, like, the the heavy sexuality of the, this coming-of-age story about Alice, right? And... We have numerous scenes where she's fantasizing about blood and... You wonder if this is, like, the first time that she's really fantasized about a guest at the motel. I feel like it is, just because Of how new it seems to her. Of how new it seems, yeah, exactly. And, like, how odd she is about it. Like, the way that she proposes, um, like, their, her and Ralph's potential makeout sesh, which Ralph underperforms with, um... Woefully. Is so awkward, like... Girl, you don't just, like, lay down and be like, hold me down, boy. Like, that's just, like, so odd. But she's, like, but she just doesn't know, you know, what to do in that scenario. Yeah. Like, how do you initiate the sex? Uh... <laughs> I was thinking and... that it, it could tie back into, like, how she's reading magazines. Because a lot of those magazines will have, like, 50 sex tips to like for amazing sex or something. So yeah. like, she could be, like, consuming this sort of media with, like, how to have, like, air quotes, you know, proper sex. And then, yeah. like, she sees it sort of in action and then, like, like you said, like, doesn't know how to initiate it. But it goes into that sort of, like, fantasy, fallacy uh, setting where you know, like you're reading these magazines, and then you you finally have someone to project it on because the only other guest we see is like some sort of weird dad and like a Hawaiian <laughs> shirt. So like, definitely not the person she's imagining, you know? Exactly. And I wanted to also point out that the scene we're talking about, where they talk in the hotel lobby, this scene is right after Alice, like, was watching Blood and his girlfriend have sex through their window and he saw her so they're they're in this lobby and she's looking at him and he's staring at the wall at the brochures and she just watched him have sex last night and he knows that she did yeah and and he's outwardly fine with the entire thing no i know but that does change the way that you see the scene in a way because she's sitting there being like being like I saw you get all rough with your GF last night, and he's just like, please just tell me if you've seen this guy. <laughs> yeah. And stop yeah, they looking in my window, tension. bitch. Yeah. I think that was well, I think that was one of those moments where, uh, like, he was in the middle, and he probably wasn't going to stop to go, like, hey, stop watching me. <laughs> so maybe it's one of those moments where, like, he's kind of talking to her, and, like, they have, like, this, like, they're just not going to talk about what, like, that thing yeah, sort what of happened? Like, yeah, like what happened? They're just sort of like, okay, you saw me, and then maybe that's why he he like chooses to bring up the picture, is because yeah. she's already seen him doing that, so like, whatever, you know. Yeah, but also like, what was he supposed to do? Come outside, be like, girl, get out, get out the window. Like, I don't know. It's just 
<laughs> if exactly, I was blood, I'd be sketched as fuck. I'd be like, girl, get out of here. But no, but he, he uses look... it to his advantage, though. Exactly. Yeah, it's totally. He plays her. He's just yeah, because like, he knows she's her. invested, so he knows that she's going to do some, some sleuthing. Yeah. Or something. I um, <sighs> Going back on, I just want to touch on the idea that we sort of discussed of, like, it's the first time she's fantasized, and maybe romantically, but I don't know that it's the first time. Uh, I would argue that it isn't the first time because she mentioned that she steals photos from the other <sighs> guests. And, well, maybe this is the first, or, or you know, if they leave something behind or whatever, I think she said. Uh, and, well, maybe this is the first time she's done it romantically. I, I would wonder, just um, from a character development standpoint, if there's not a note, you know, somewhere on the, on the character breakdowns of, like, she consistently fantasizes about a better life and sort of lives that vicariously through stealing and I'm just hypothesizing. I'm not making any broad, actual, factual claim here, but sh that that she lives those fantasies, and that oh my god, I can get out of here through stealing those photos or the trinkets or whatever it is that she takes. Um. Yeah, I also wanted to point out as well, like that quote. Um, to back up your point, Miles, she says, when cats have sex, it sounds like they're fighting people too, especially the people that come here, which suggests that she's seen people having sex at the motel before. She time. does it a lot, yeah. Yeah. Or lots of cats. Or, or yeah, or lots or of both. cats. Or both. Or both at once. But at the same time? Yes. <laughs> the cats came and they rented a room. <laughs> um. Well... Does anyone else have anything they want to add? Because I feel like we've almost summed up pretty much everything. I just yeah. wanted to talk about uh, how she's definitely the one that causes all the problems. Like, her meddling in this world is what, like, is the ultimate undoing. Like, the reason that they fight is because she puts her lipstick on the uh, yes. on the scotch. Yes. And, like, yeah. the reason he can't shoot the guy first, or the reason he can't Han Solo the guy, is because she took the bullet. Yeah, and it, it it's like from that direct meddling and like that direct like like her directly getting involved in a world that she really shouldn't be because at the end of the day like like she shouldn't be stealing from these people and like projecting your own fantasies like is not a good thing like it's not a good way to live your life to project fantasies onto people. Yeah, and then hold them accountable when to that fantasy when they're obviously not that. Um, really shows like the the immaturity and, and it even kind of speaks to my own sort of like like when i was in middle school and like i liked someone but i was totally in love with like the projected fantasy instead of like the reality and totally. in this case like you do something to try and make it so that it's like your fantasy but then when when it when it inevitably falls apart it's like you are responsible and at the end of the day you have to sort of deal with that like that happened because i did that and i feel like I, again at the end when she sees it happen in front of her it's very evident to her and like her eye and like the way that like like she like the actor actress acts it out with the big like wide eyes it's definitely coming like it's been like the dots have been connected in her head that she yeah. caused this this is I like her that fault we get to, i like that we get to watch her connect the dots through that expression that you just talked talked about adam that's something that uh for the aspiring filmmaker and aspiring writer out there if you can if you can if you can have your audience put them in a position where we get to watch somebody have 
the classic um, uh, uh-huh. jo- Joe Bluth, I've made a terrible b- mistake moment. Or the positive version. Yeah, the aha moment, Miranda. If you if we can if you can position your audience to where they can see that, it'll give them such an opportunity to connect with the character on on such a deeper level than they would have if you just heard that heard them say, Oh my god, I figured it out. I would also say that the the visual of it where it's like her eye and then like you can see the blood splattered on the brick wall. Yeah. Uh, that was also like just a nice, like beautiful visual. Like if I could just have a still of that, it would be creepy, but it would be nice. Yeah. It's one of those like <laughs> nice little like visuals of the film where, y- yeah, like 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 it's almost like that blood is connecting the dots. Um, another thing I'll add is um, it from like a writing perspective, and you mentioned earlier how she directly caused all the problems. That's something that is good to have an active protagonist. So, you know, a protagonist that does not just yeah. sit around or doesn't react really do much or reacts. They have to be the one that does the thing. Otherwise, it's it's not a very active protagonist and you lose interest. And that's something this movie did really well, in my opinion. The protagonist was say... super active and it, it didn't ever feel like, oh, just do something. Or you could fix this issue if you just do something. You know, he she does, and it just it just happens to be the wrong things. But yeah, it, she does try to do something to solve her issues. She's active in what she's doing. Have your characters make mist- like have your characters make the wrong decision, and then let it play out for the audience. Yeah, exactly. A version of that that I heard or read somewhere online. It was a quote of Ron Howard, and I actually kind of like it. Um, it's simple. It's can your protagonist solve everything? And your antagonist together solve everything if they just walk away from each other. And if the answer is yes to that, then why don't they? And if you can't come up with a valid reason why they don't, you need to, you you probably should go back and examine your um, protagonist and and the motivations and make them more clear. On that note, we are going to sign off. Where can they find you, Adam? They can find me at adam.yasinski on Instagram and Adam Yasinski on Vimeo. They can find me at The Collective Films on YouTube and on Vimeo and at Angry Chair Pictures on YouTube as well. They could find me on all the social media platforms um, for Twitter and Instagram. It's Jermel underscore P. For Facebook and Vimeo, it's Jermel Pasqua. And you can find me, Miranda Morose, at uh, on Instagram and Vimeo at uh, just Miranda Morose. That's my handle everywhere. All right, guys. Well, you can find us at ATCT Show on social media, on SoundCloud at Around the Craft Table Podcast, and we're on Google Play Music. And if you don't like either of those platforms, you can paste our RSS feed into the podcast app of your choosing. We have been around the craft table, and all the information on the film that we discussed today will be in the show notes. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.
it's Miranda from the Around the Craft Table team, and you've just heard Season 2, Episode 1, Rebel Bell, a shot-for-shot segment of Blood Pulls a Gun, directed by Ben Bryant. This week's episode was executive produced and directed by Miles A. Taylor. It was executive produced and edited by myself, Miranda Morose. It featured Miles, myself, Jermel Pasqua, and Adam Yazinski as panelists. We hope you enjoyed the episode this week and hope you stick around for next week where we're sitting down to discuss the concept of better and how we can strive to be better in art in all ways in which we work. We look specifically to Anthony Bourdain's legacy as an example. We're pretty excited for you all to hear these conversations we've had and hope to spark some new conversations about filmmaking within your own circle of friends, collaborators, or just in the comments section. We have a special announcement for you all as we're now accepting film suggestions for indie films to feature in our Shot for Shot segment, where we do an in-depth analysis of short films like we did today. Send us a comment if you have a favorite short film you'd like to hear us talk about on the podcast. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play Music, or you can enter our RSS feed into your podcast app of your choosing. Connect with us on social media at ATCT Show, or just send us an email at crafttablepodcast at gmail.com if you have any important questions or requests. We'd love to hear from you. Bye-bye.